everybody. Who's glad to be at church today? Anybody glad to be here? Come on, let's give God thanks. Come on, let's give him the best praise we can. He's worthy of all the praise. Amen, yeah. And a big hello also to everybody who's online with us today. We're thankful for Church Online and for the fact that you're able to stream it right into your home or maybe even replay it and watch it later on in the week. We archive all of our messages, and so if you missed one, you can always go back and and take a look at those. Can we just welcome everybody who's online today, too? Let them know it's good to see them in God's house. Thankful that you're with us online today. Yeah. We are in uh, part one of a new series that we're calling the book of James, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute, but I do want to just point the way, kind of clear the path for us to let you know that in in just uh, about a month from today, we're kicking off one of our favorite series of the entire year, and that is at the movies starting November the 6th. Come on, it's just such a great time, such a great series. And we're going to talk about this more and more as we get closer to it, but just know that, um, that this is a series that you can invite. Every series is a series you can invite maybe people that you know who are far from God and maybe uh, your unchurched friends, and, but this is one of those that we want you to have somebody sitting next to you in that service And so uh, just keep that on the radar. And then um, at the end of October, we always like to do what we call our Legacy Vision Sunday, which is going to be October 30th this year. Uh, The uh, the second Sunday of uh, December, we do a special offering. We only do one special offering a year. It's called the Legacy Offering. And really the the purpose of that offering is to accelerate what our normal budget can't do. And so we're going to give you the vision on, on that Sunday, October the 30th of of what you can expect, what, what, are, what are we giving towards, how's it going to make a difference, and so we'll talk about the five lanes that, that we talk about. If you've been here the last fi- uh, few years, you'll, you'll be familiar with some of that, but there's some new exciting things as well, so just mark that down because you want to be here for the vision Sunday of that, and, uh, and so just, uh, just know that that's coming up. Now, um, one thing I would ask of you, one thing I would ask of you if, if you, if you are new to church, maybe you're new to City Hope. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been in a church environment. I want to I ask you to do something, and that is keep coming back. Keep coming back. There's a statistic out there right now that says that, that uh, the average church attender is hitting about once every six to eight weeks. And that's, that's, just, that's just crazy to think about. If, if you're new to church, can I tell you that one of the best things you could do for your own spiritual walk is to be in here, be in the house of God consistently. Amen. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And the way we would say it is to go all in. Uh, in fact, we say it this way. Give God a year of your life. Give us a year of your life and, and watch what God will do. I promise you, if you will go all in for a year, you will look back 365 days from today and you will say, I don't recognize this person. Who was, who was this old me? Come on, and all of the people who've done that can say a good amen right there because it is powerful. It will change your life. And one of the best ways to go all in is what we call the growth track. So uh, today is step one of the growth track. You heard us mention that in the news, and it's, gonna, it's happening now, but also at 1130 as well. It's our way to help you just take next steps. Or maybe, maybe for you, it's, um, it's uh, a next step of water baptism. It's the first Sunday of the month, and so every first Sunday, we always do water baptism, and we have an opportunity for you to do that today. You don't have to be prepared for that, because we are prepared for you, and if you've given your life to Christ, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, then your next step is is waiting for you right outside in that big hot tub looking thing, all right? That's just, that's your next step, all right? And we've got, we're prepared, we're ready for you, so uh, I want want to encourage you in that, uh, to take those next steps 
to continue growing, to continue your walk with the Lord. Now, we're in week one of this series, the book of James, and one of the things I love about this, the book of James is that it really leans into something we, we proclaimed at the beginning of this year. At the beginning of 2022, we said that this year is the year of freedom. This is the year of freedom. And so I, I'm just kind of reminding you, we've only got three months left, everybody. Come on. So you, if you're not free, we'll have to get, get on the ball, right? Like, come on, let's go. So, so but in a real way, why, why would we wait? Why would we keep, keep putting it off? If there's things in our life that really we don't want there and we're tired of and we really want to grow out of and we really want God to work in us, why would we just keep on putting it off? Come on, why can't this be the year that we get free from those things, Right? And so, uh, so today, we're going to take a look at, at that and let God work some things in us and out of us, and we're going to be talking about trials and temptations. Come on, say amen or oh me right there. Either one will work, but uh, let's take a look at the book of James, chapter, chapter 1, verse 1. I, I just want to set this book up for you. James writes, and, and in those days when they wrote letters, they, they didn't write, dear so-and-so. They, they said their name first, James, and then he, he identified who's he, who's he writing it to. So James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So James is writing this, and I want you to notice what he calls himself. James calls himself a servant of God. And that's pretty incredible because this is not James the disciple. This is James the brother of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that for a moment. James, the brother of Jesus, calls himself a servant of God and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know, if I was writing that, I would say, Ben, y'all know Jesus? That's my bro. That's my brother. I mean, we got different dads and all, but I mean, we, you know. Y'all didn't laugh at that? Like, y'all get it later? Like, Got different dads, but yeah, we, that's my brother, man. That's my, we, we, we're brothers from the same mother. We, 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 we got, we, we're brothers. I, I would have done that. I would have name dropped. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's my brother. Of course, yeah. But James doesn't do that. He humbles himself and he says, I'm a servant of God. And, and here's something else I want you to think about. that You can really know and test the, the, um, the confirmation that Jesus Christ is Lord by the fact that Jesus' own brother, James, and his mother, Mary, called him Lord. Because how many of you know if your brother came home and said, hey, I just, uh, I'm the Messiah, just, just want, I, don't, I just want to announce that today, I am the Messiah, you should be following me, we would probably make some phone calls like, hey, come on, come on with me, let's go see the doctor, right? What have, <laughs> what have you been smoking? Like, what, what have you gotten into? We would... We would be worried about that if they came home and said that. But, but James and his mother, the, the, like they believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that he was the Messiah because they were with him through his life. They were with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, everybody. So this is pretty, pretty cool to think about. But notice who he writes the book to. He, he's writing this letter to the 12 tribes that are scattered. So in Acts, we see that... Uh, that James, or, or that Stephen, rather, was murdered for his faith. He was murdered because he was a follower of Jesus Christ. And after that, the church was scattered all throughout the Roman Empire. All 12 tribes were, were scattered throughout the empire. 
And so James is also a pastor of a church, and he's writing this letter to the church that's now scattered throughout all of the Roman Empire. And, and I want you to think about that for a second, because what's happened to us in the last two and a half years? We've been scattered. The, the American church, in fact, has been scattered because of COVID. Uh, d- during the pandemic, one in three people dropped out of church altogether, just, just quit, like hadn't returned. And then, and then post-pandemic, only 25% of Christians actually attend church on a weekly basis. Not, not 25% of Americans, 25% of people who say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, are actually coming to church. I would say the church in America has been scattered, wouldn't you? And so, so today, this letter that we're reading, as we're studying this letter from James, he, it was written... For, to show us how to, how to stand in our faith in a newfound reality. It was written to people like us in a moment like us, okay? And so what we want to do today is we want to take a look at, at how the first thing that James talks about is trials and temptations. So he doesn't just say, you're going to go through trials and temptations. He shows us how to overcome the trials and temptations. And so that's the good news I have for you today. I'm, I'm, I'm not just telling you that you're going to face trials and temptations. I'm going to show you how to overcome them, all right? All right, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, all right. So if you've got your notes, pull those out. I got a lot of notes for you today, almost, almost three pages full of notes. Get those ready. And here's the theme of today. If you don't remember anything else, remember this, that if we don't quit, we win. Come on, I'm going to say that again. If we don't quit, we win. Say it with me. If we don't quit, we win. One more time. If we don't quit, we win. This is is what we need to know. If we don't quit, we win. So James 1, chapter 2, verse 3, he jumps right into this. And he says... That we ought to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Come on, doesn't that just make you mad at James? Come on, come on, man. Consider it pure joy? Like we're supposed to be happy that we're facing trials of many kinds? He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance in you. So these trials that we're facing, these trials that he's talking about, it's what happens to us. It's things that we go through in marriage, finances, uh, ministry. Maybe it's job situations. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a diagnosis. It's that kind of trial. You didn't want it. It wasn't warranted, but it happened to you. And so you need to know that God didn't cause the trial, but he will use the trial. I'm going to say that again. He didn't cause the trial, but God will use the trial. And so what we need to know is what James is trying to teach us here, so important for uh, for us to understand, is that God wants to use trials to mature us. He wants to use trials to mature us. So maturity takes growth. Maturity takes change. Maturity takes paradigm shift. I'm going to have to think of things a little bit differently. I can't think of the... I, I, I can't do things the way that I've always done them. In order for God... To mature us, there's a couple things that we need to see happen. Four things I want to give you. That if, if we're going to let God mature us, number one, we've got to get God's perspective. We've got to get his perspective. We, we, we've got to shift the paradigm. If we're going to see the things, if we're going to experience the good that God has for us, it's going to start when we get a, a better attitude. 
I know I'm preaching good when it's quiet. I know, I know. If we're going to experience the good God has for us, it's going to be when we shift our perspective. When, when we shift our perspective because James says, consider it pure joy. He didn't say it would be pure joy. He said you need to consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And, and you know, when I think of, about people who just, who just have this kind of pure joy kind of attitude, if you're in the room, I'm so sorry. But I think of group fitness instructors. I can't stand you. I can't, I can't stand you. You're just up in the front of the room acting like it's the best day ever. Five, six, seven, eight. Come on. And stretch. And stretch. And you're, and you're like, feel the burn, everybody. It may be painful now, but it's going to be better tomorrow. No, it's not. It's not going to be better tomorrow. It's going to hurt worse tomorrow than it hurts right now. You're lying to me. It's not pure joy. It's not. I did, a, I did a cycling class or a spin class one time when we lived in Alabama. One time, that's all I ever did. We'll never do it again. They're full of it up there. Come on, you can do this. Come on, level 10 all the way, like 30 seconds. No, this is terrible. It's torture. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, but here they are. They're, they're just the happiest people in the room. And I'm like, I, I can't. No, it's not fun. It's, this is not joyful. Right? So... So, but my question to us today is, how, how can James say, consider it pure joy? How can he tell us, you ought, to, you ought to consider it joy when you're facing something? And I thought about this this week. Remember, James is the brother of who? Jesus. So, so Jesus is the older brother, but undoubtedly, James has watched his older brother, Jesus, go through trials. The Bible says that Jesus faced every temptation that is known to man. He went through everything that we've gone through. He was betrayed, accused, rejected. He felt everything that we have felt today. But the Bible says he didn't sin in that. He went through all kinds of trials. And so I think James can say, consider it pure joy because he watched Jesus consider it pure joy. He watched Jesus go through these difficulties in life and he watched Jesus consider it pure joy. Let, let me give you this scripture. Here's how I know. Because in Hebrews chapter 12, the author of this, we don't know who wrote it, but the author says that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. So Jesus went through the trial, the tribulation of the cross. He gave himself for us. He went through the beatings, the torture, the torment, the crown, the nails, the, the stripes on his back. He endured it. For the joy set before him. Think about that for a second. What was the joy set before Jesus? Me and you. We were the joy that was set before him. He was seeing to the other side. He was, he was getting past what was right here in front of him. He was looking to the future that if I go through with this, I know it's going to hurt right now, but I'm going I'm to be reunited with my people. I'm going to provide a way of, of hope and a way of peace and a way of grace. I'm going to provide salvation for the entire world. For the, it was for the joy set before him. So we've got to, we've got to get a, a new perspective, get God's perspective. So James is not saying here that the trial is going to be fun. He's not saying that it's going to be something that you, you love and you can't wait to, to, to do. No, no. He's saying, I know you didn't have a choice in the trial, but you do have a choice in your attitude. You didn't have a choice in the trial, but you have a choice in your perspective. You have a choice in the way that you respond. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching right there. 
We don't, I didn't have a choice as to what was going to happen to me, but I, I can choose a better attitude. And so he's not asking me to be happy with the trial. He's asking me to change my perspective through the trial. Consider it pure joy. Is that helping anybody today? Okay. That's the first thing. Get a new perspective. Number two is I'm going to have to trust God's process. Trust God's process. So James keeps going, James chapter 1, he says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. So God's desire for us is that we would mature as believers, that we would mature through these trials. So in order for us to mature, we've got to let perseverance finish its work. And if we do that, if we'll, if we'll trust his process, if we'll trust that he's got good things for us, if we'll trust... That it's all going to pan out. It's it's all going to work out. It's going to make us mature. It's going to make us complete. We're not going to lack anything. When I think about the process, when I think think about tribulations and trials through process, I can't help but think of potty training. I mean, just honestly, it's potty training. (laughs) Come on, if you're a parent in the room, you know what I'm talking about. We we have four boys. We have four boys, and and I'm going to... I'm, I'm not, not going to give you the name to protect the innocent. But one of our boys was very difficult in potty training. And I know you probably got all these things that you could tell me now that we could have done. I don't want to hear it now, okay? Uh, it's too late. They're all potty trained now. But one of them, we thought for sure, he's going to kindergarten in diapers. I mean, he's just like, like if we don't step in, he may be driving a car one day wearing a diaper. This is, it's that bad. I mean, it was frustrating. Yeah, but we would put him on the, uh, the toilet. He wouldn't go. We're like, he did the exact opposite of everything we wanted and everything that we tried. He just, he wanted to be in control. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He wanted to go when he wanted to go, where he wanted to go. And he would leave you to clean it all up, right? That's just the way it was. One day, after small group, the small group's leaving our house. And I walk into the hall bathroom where he has dropped a deuce in the floor. I'm telling you, right there in the floor, not in his diaper. It, he, he, he discarded the diaper and went right there in the floor. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That kind of frustration of like, what are you doing? He wanted to be in control. He wanted it his way. And I know that's a really weird illustration, but some of you are the same way. You want it your way. You want it your way and, and, and you're... And I love you, and I'm so proud to be your pastor, and, and I, want, I want what's best for you in the same way that I love my boys, and, and, and I, I'm so proud of them. Listen, at some point, you've got to lose the diaper. At some point, you're going to have to grow up in your faith. You're going to have to go from the childish things that you're, that you're, where you're at right now, and, and you've got you, to grow up in your faith. Can, can I say it that way today? At some point, you're going to have to trust that God is good and what he has for you is good. It may not feel good right now, but he will work. He'll do this. He will work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He causes everything to work together for the good. And it may not feel good right now, but he will work it for the good. He doesn't say that it is good. He says he'll work it for your good. Are you hearing me today? That he will work it for your good. And I want you to notice that this promise isn't for everybody. This promise of God working things out for you is only for the people who say yes to Jesus Christ. 
It's for the people who love God, who've given their lives to God. And if you say here, man, uh, well, that's, that's the problem. Nothing, nothing good's working out in my life. It might be, have you fully surrendered? Because God wants to work it out for your good. It may not be good right now, but he will work it for your good. I'm going to move on because I'm, I'm meddling. Number three, if, if we're going to let God mature us, number three, we have to ask for his help. Ask for his help. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. We don't ask. So we don't get help because we don't ask. James says it this way, that if any of you lacks wisdom, ask. Ask God. Here's why. Because he gives generously. So you need wisdom, ask him for wisdom. You need guidance, ask him for guidance. You need strength, ask him for strength. You need hope, ask him for hope. You need peace, ask him for peace. Whatever it is that you need, ask him because he gives generously. And we don't have to wander around in the, in the dark of night groping, trying to find answers because Jesus is the answer. God is the answer, and that I can take my cares to him, I can take my burdens to him, I can come to him with trials and temptations and fears and worries, and I can cast all my anxieties on him. Why? Because he's a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus, all my sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. And oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to Him in prayer. We don't, just don't ask Him. We don't ask Him. And so we have not because we ask not. Another old song says... If you'll trust and never doubt, he'll surely bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord. Leave it there. I've got to ask him for help, number four. Now I've got to kick out the doubt. See, see what, what, the problem with some of us is that we just, we just don't believe that God is good. We don't believe that he has good for us. We don't believe that if we ask him, he'll do it. And so James teaches us pretty strongly here. He says... When you ask, when you ask him for what you have need of, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. He says, that kind of person, the kind of person who doubts, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. What kind of person is that? Well, that just never works out for me, so it ain't no reason to pray anyway. You're going to get everything you asked for then. Or I should say everything you didn't ask for. It's, it's that Eeyore spirit. You know what I'm talking about? Never works out for me. I guess I'm always going to be this way. No, 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 no. You've got to trust. Such a person is double-minded. What does this mean? They're unstable in all they do. What that means, double-minded means, is that you're trying to trust God and yourself at the same time. 
Proverbs 3 says you can't do that. You, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. But you can't trust in God and trust in yourself at the same time. So to be double-minded is to say, God, I'm not sure your way's best. To be double-minded is to say, uh, um, I have one foot in and one foot out. It's straddling the fence. And James says, we, we, can't, we can't live our lives that way. It doesn't work that way. You have to go all in. You have to go all in. I, I, I picture a kid just standing on the edge of the pool. And maybe they, maybe they can't swim. Maybe they're, they're a toddler. And, and they're, they're used to being the shallow end. They can stand on the little tanning ledge. But, but they don't want to get, they don't, they don't want to be where dad is because it's too deep and they can't touch there and they're afraid. And dad's saying, hey, just jump to me. Come on, I'll catch you. And they, they believe, but they just have a hard time jumping in. They have a hard time going from the shallow end to the deep end. And at some point, there's a point at which they'd go all in. And then you know what happens? It's a game every time they get in the pool. They can't wait to do it. They just want, Dad, jump. can I jump to you? And over and over and over again. So I'm just telling you, you have to go all in. Because it doesn't work if you, just, if, if you just try it. Am I making sense to you today? So, so to believe is to say, I'm all, I'm all there. I'm going all in. I'm going to trust. I'm going to believe. I'm going all in. Okay, so that's the first part of the message is we're, we're talking about trials. We all have them. We're all going to deal with trials. But the second part of today's message is temptations. James chapter 1, he talks about both of these. It's a double-sided coin. So, so if you're not facing a trial, you may very well be facing a temptation. It's, it's, it's the two sides of the coin. And so what God wants is for the, the trials to mature us. But what Satan wants is for the temptations to destroy us. He wants to take you out. You need to know and understand that there is a thief who came to kill, steal, and destroy there is a thief who came to distract you. He came to tempt you. He came to pull you away from God. And James, is, he's helping us become aware of this. He says, hey, when you are tempted, when tempted, not if you're going to be tempted. Well, Brother Ben, I'm, I'm so thankful that I haven't been tempted in 46 years. You come, you, you are the Messiah. You, mu you must be because... I think we all have temptations. We all have struggles. Hey, no, no. You, we all have issues. Let's be real about the issues. When tempted, not if you're going to be tempted. When you're tempted, you shouldn't say that God's tempting me. Because uh, God can't. God, God can't be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. And so I want, you to help, I want to help you understand that, that trials happen to you, but temptations happen in you. Okay, trials are happening to you. It's external. Temptations are happening in you, internal, okay? So we have a choice. When it comes to temptations, you can choose the left or the right. You can choose the way God has set it up for you, or you can keep going back to that temptation, and that's where we are a lot of times. The temptation actually is it's an addiction for us. Maybe it's something that you've struggled with for years. Nobody knows about it. It's a secret sin issue. And you're just, you, you just can't even imagine telling somebody about that. It's a temptation to keep it hidden, to keep it a secret, 
And so today, I want to help you overcome the temptation. And I'm going to give you four thoughts today. Number one is this. To overcome temptation is that we've got to understand the progression of temptation. That, that, t- um, that sin doesn't just happen. It's not like, man, I was just minding my own business and bam, I sinned. I just, I don't know what happened. No. There's a progression to temptation. There's a progression to sin. Yeah, man, I was just, I was just minding my own business. I was out at the park, and you know, just, and then, and then I just, you know, bam, I, I, I did something I should have. I don't know what. We, we excuses, right? Reasons why we're gonna get there in just a second. But there's a temptation. There's a progression to it. Doesn't just happen. Okay. So let's take a look at this progression in James 1, 14 says. Each person, all of you, all y'all, okay, all of us are tempted when we are dragged away by our own evil desires. So notice that. Like what you're dealing with may be different than what someone over here is dealing with and may, may be different than what someone over here is dealing with. My temptations may be different than your temptations, but there, it's, an, it's called an evil desire that you know what it is. You know what it is. Maybe it's having too much to drink. Maybe it's a narcotic. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's scrolling. Maybe it's pornography, sexual immorality. I don't know what it is for you, but it's, it's there. And you know what it is. The Holy Spirit will speak to you about that. But, but it happens. We're tempted when we are dragged away by our own evil desires and we're enticed. And watch what happens. After the desire has conceived... It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And so I want to I help you see this progression of sin today, this progression of temptation. And it's a trap. Temptation is a trap. It's a Venus flytrap. Y'all remember Little Shop of Horrors? I mean, it's captivating to look at, but it will kill you. That, like, this, this thing, temptation will destroy your life. And so here's the progression. Number one, if you're taking notes, it starts with deception. It starts with this, this question that began in Genesis where Satan said, did God really say? Did God really say you can't do this? I mean, really, is this that big of a deal? Like, it's probably okay. I mean, God won't mind. And it's this deception that we begin to fall into, this trap that it's not that big of a deal. It's not really hurting anybody. I mean, I'm the only one who's really affected by this. Come on, we've heard those lies before. It starts with deception. And then, if we don't end it there, it, it comes to desire. Now, this desire is not sin, but it is bait on the hook. It's where we start thinking about it more and more. And it's at the front of our mind. And, and, and we're feeling pressured. It's, it's where, look, I, I, I can't wait until I get home. I can't wait until I get off work. I've, I, and it's the desire for whatever that is. Whatever the temptation is in your life. And it's the, the big three are what Jesus calls the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust, greed, pride. More than likely, we all have one of those that is a struggle in our lives. And it's different for everybody, but it's desire. If we don't stop it here, if we, if we fail to confront it, we, we lead into disobedience, and this is where sin happens. We cross the line, and we do what we know I, I don't want to do, but I just can't help it. 
I, I, I just, I keep going back to that same thing. The temptation's too strong. I've heard those kinds of statements over and over and over again. And, and, it, and then from disobedience, immediately leads to death. Leads to death. And some of you are there today. Like, like just dead in your faith. Hopeless. You feel helpless. You feel like I'm, I'm never going to get anything right. I've, I'm far from God. You feel the weight of your guilt, shame, condemnation. All of the things of your past. And you're thinking, man, I, I, there's no hope for me. I want to tell you today by the power and authority of Jesus Christ that our God is a God who raises the dead. Our God is a God who brings dead things back to life. Our God is the God who can forgive your sins and heal your diseases and transform you by the renewing of your mind. Our God is a God who loves and he lives inside of every one of us and you are here on purpose for a purpose. God has something in store for you. You are in the right place at the right time. Come on, let's give God thanks for that today. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. God has something for you. So, so I've got to understand this progression of temptation. And a famous evangelist once said, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. Let's cut it off. But it's, it's, not just, it's not just about works, everybody. Please hear me. This is not about works. We're not saved by works, but we are saved for good works. Once we give our lives to Christ, there is a, there's, we're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And we're on this journey of God producing some things in our lives. And we're working our salvation out. And so here's the second thing. If you're going to overcome temptation is you've got to be honest about your weakness. Be honest about your weaknesses. Well, the biggest lie that people believe is, I don't have to tell anybody. Like, I can do this on my own. Like, I can, I can do this. I can do this. I, I know Pastor Ben gets up there on Sundays, and he says that we need a small group, and we need to take off the mask, but, I, but, but I'm going to do this on my own. And I would lovingly just say to you, if you could have done it on your own, you would have done it on your own. You would have already done it. Because the truth is, you don't want to do it. You don't want to keep going back to that thing, but you do. And, and so we've got to be honest about our weaknesses. We can't do this alone. We're not strong enough to do it by ourselves, so it's time to take off the mask. It's time to get real. James says it this way. He says, don't be deceived. So many of us are just deceived into thinking, I can do this by myself. I can handle this alone. No, we can't. And I want, I want to read a text that... Um, Annalise and I got this this week from one of our dream teamers. And I love this. I hope it encourages you. It's about taking off the mask. It's about getting real. She says, one year ago, we decided that we needed to do something drastic because our hearts and minds were in such a bad place. We made a choice that may have been confusing to others looking in. Last year, we started attending City Hope Church. And one year ago, my relationship with the Lord was so fractured it was a secret that I held and I was ashamed of. I spent my whole life in Christian schools, attended Bible college, had opportunities to speak in front of others. I worked in ministry for a majority of my life, yet here I was questioning everything. I was starting to head down the path of deconstruction and losing my faith entirely. The only person who knew was my husband, Jared. I felt like a hypocrite 
teaching my girls about Jesus, but I wasn't even sure he existed. I was drowning, yet putting on the mask every Sunday that everything was fine. God is good, so am I, she said. I lied to myself and others that I was fine, but I wasn't. Hurt compiled in my heart. That's when we decided to make a bold move. We attended City Hope for the first time. My heart was still skeptical, but I felt for the first time something was softening in my heart. So we kept going. Then we decided to take the one-year challenge. It's that one-year challenge that I talk about, give God a year of your life. I talked about it at the beginning of the service. We decided we're going to take the one-year challenge, and we joined Growth Track. We started to build community, something that we had longed for for a long time. We hosted a small group, continued to build lasting relationships. Then we got involved and found purpose in serving again. While doing all of this, I was excited for the external things But there was still work to be done on the inside. Sitting in worship again and hearing the word, I started to face some of the doubts. And then a moment came that I realized how far I was from God and that I needed freedom. So I joined a freedom group this fall and I did what Ben says. I took off the mask. I let myself become vulnerable again with God and others and I started to realize that there were people who cared about me and not just what I could do for them. I let go of the doubt and I regained my faith again. I'm finding freedom. I'm still on the path to freedom. I'm working through a lot of hurts, abuse, traumatic events. It's a process, but I am finally allowing God to heal my heart instead of harboring in my heart. I have started to feel the presence of God in a tangible way, and I see the evidence of Him working in my life. Come on, somebody. That starts when you just begin to take off the mask, and you just begin to get free, and you you get past the past. Come on, yeah. So we've got to get honest about the weakness, because there is an enemy. We've got to stay alert, everybody. There's an enemy The devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion. He is looking for someone whom he can devour. And you know know who he's looking for? The person who thinks they can do it on their own. He's looking for the one who's isolated. The one who's who's set apart from the pack. And that's why you need to get in a small group. You need a group of people that you can begin to take the mask off with. All right. That's that's the second one. Number three, I got to hurry, is that we've got to learn to overcome. Learn to overcome. This is us beginning to realize that we can fight back. Church, you don't have to take it. We're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to take it. Come on, why why is it that we just feel like, since when did the church become powerless? Since when did the church just be like, yeah, I guess it's just the way it is? No, 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 no. No, we're power-filled people. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. We can overcome. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. We don't have to take it. And so we've started in our culture, we've started to just say things like, well, I just couldn't help it. When temptation comes, I just, I just couldn't handle it anymore. I, I, I just messed up. I just caved into the pressure. You, well, everybody else is doing it. Why is it, why is it such a big deal? I mean, if it if it's feels so good, why is it so wrong? I, I just, it was just a slip-up. Hey, nobody's perfect, so I don't understand why this is a big deal. It's a big deal because if it's not good, it's not God. I'm going to say that again. If it's not good, it's not God. Why? Because James says that every good gift is from above. 
Every good thing comes from God. He's the father of heavenly lights. And so Paul, Paul says, hey, there's a way out. When you're tempted, when you're tempted, no temptation has seized you except what is common, except what everybody else has been through. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, it's going to happen. It's never going to be a moment when, when, you, when, when you just get past all the temptation of life. But when you are in, you're tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. He's going to provide a way that you can be victorious. How, Pastor Ben? How does he do it? Here we go. Four things. T- to overcome, you're gonna, you need to avoid the situation. Avoid the situation. If you travel for work, and every time you travel, you find yourself alone, drinking way too much, somebody needs to know. Somebody, hey, hey, I'm, I'm traveling this week, and you know, for the past years, I've been struggling with this, and nobody knows. I need you to hold me accountable this week. Bring somebody with you on the trip. If you're married, preferably not another woman, but <laughs> bring somebody. Like, like well, that's, just, that's just extreme you want to overcome or not? Like we're going to have to do some things we've never done to get some things we've never had. You're mad today, Pastor Ben. I just want to see victory. I want to see some freedom in our lives. We've got to avoid the situation. If, it's, if you're at home and that's where you struggle with pornography, then tell somebody every time you're home alone. That seems kind of excessive. You want to be free or not? Like start taking some steps. To say, you know what, I'm going to avoid the situation. I'm going to counter with the word. God's word says that I'm more than a conqueror. That I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. God's word says that, that, I, that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. God's word says, you just begin to quote it. You begin to declare his word and you develop healthy friendships. You've got to have somebody you can call on your worst day. You've got to have somebody you can call when you're struggling and you're going through the trials and temptations of life. And then... Commit to prayer. Take it to God in prayer over and over and over again. And so if you need a a simple way to remember this, (laughs) ACDC. If you want to avoid the highway to hell, come on somebody, (laughs) ACDC. Let's go. If we don't quit, we win. Come on, let's say it again. If we don't quit, we win. And we can live in victory. We can live in victory. Oh, man, this is what I want so bad for you. I want this so bad. I think this is what every one of us want. We want to be at a point in life where I don't struggle anymore. And guess what? That struggle, you may get over one thing to find a struggle in another. But you, what, what matters is that you begin to learn how to overcome, that you don't, that you don't, have, to, that you don't have to be victim, you don't, have to be, you don't have to be a captive of the sin and the temptation anymore, that you can be victorious. And I think most of us would pay a high price to be able to have victory in our lives. I think most of us, we would do whatever it takes to have victory. How can I live in victory? James says it this way, that we've got to get rid of all the filth and the evil in our lives. See, for, for a lot of us, we, we're trying to do this double standard kind of thing. We're trying to be in the world, 
but we get wrapped up in the world and we, and we come, become a product of the world and we're going to have to change our thinking the Bible says that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind it, you can be changed we're not saved by works but we're saved for good works and when we give our life to Jesus Christ we need to start getting some things out of our lives the evil, the filth and we need to humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts what word? this word what word? the word that's going out today in this message to begin to accept the word of God why? because it can change your life it has the power to save your soul everybody has the power to rescue you, the power to change you. And he says, but you can't just listen to the word. And this is where some of you are. Week after week, month after month, you come. Amen. Good word, pastor. Keep preaching it. Secretly, you're going home and you're going, I, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep struggling with this? Why am I still in this trial? Why, why, am I, why is this temptation? Why can't I overcome it? can't just listen to the word we also have to do what it says we got to start taking some steps we got to start taking some steps and I boldly want to say to you today some of you have a next step today some of you have a next step it's time for you to take that step would you bow your heads close your eyes with me I want to pray for those who are facing trials right now you're in the middle of a circumstance, a trial, a situation. Your next step today, you, you got to do something. You've just kind of accepted it as for what it is. You've accepted it as just a way of life. This is just part of life. No, today, get God's perspective in your life. Ask God to show you. Ask God to speak to you. Ask God to show you the process. Trust his process. Ask him for help. Begin to kick out the doubt that's in your life. Be begin to believe again. For some of you here today, you're, you're playing with fire, you're, you're flirting with disaster, you're, you're going to heaven, you're saved, but the truth is you're, you're flirting with temptation, something that it's all you can think about and you haven't acted on it yet, but you're there. I mean, you're, you're just, you're at, you're at the finish line, you're ready to cross over. Today's a day where you can say no in Jesus' name, that you've got to get it out in the open, you've got to find somebody that you can be vulnerable about your weaknesses with. Let God heal you. Let God restore you. Father, I'm praying right now for strength and boldness today in Jesus' name. Power to live this life that you've called us to live. Father, I, I pray right now for every person who doesn't know you, every person who's far from you. They're distant from you. Speak to their hearts right now. If you're here today and maybe, maybe you feel hopeless, you feel far from God, you feel dead spiritually because you've been doing things your way. You've, you, you've been dead in your sin. Dead. You, you, you're, you're following that path of destruction. You've been deceived. And you just keep following that path of desire and disobedience and death. And it's a vicious cycle. Today, that can be broken in your life. If you're here today and you say, Ben, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm ready to surrender. It starts there. It starts there. And then you begin to take a next step, a next step. You begin to get close to God. If you're ready to go all in with Jesus today, on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand and be bold and courageous. 
Let me, let me lead you in a prayer. If that's you, one, two, three, come on. Hands up all across the room. Thank you. I see you. That's me. I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to give my life completely to Jesus. I see you. Anybody else? That's, that's me, Ben. I'm going all in. Thank you. See you. I'm proud of you. Anyone else? Anybody else? So proud of you. Thank you. See you back here. Come on, for the five people who lifted their hands today, let's say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me new. Give me a fresh start. New beginning. I don't want my old life anymore. I'm following you. You're my Savior and my Lord. And I will serve you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today. Let's praise God for life change that's happening today.